the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. James Blend is producing Sam Maupin Engineering. And by the way, James Blend will be joining me later this hour to take a look at some of the lighter side of the news. In the second hour, the Christian Outlook. We'll hear from Stephen Mosier of the Population Research Institute about China's role in the latest pandemic and those that have haunted us in the past. A bit of history. We'll also hear from economist Jerry Bauer about the uh, comically misnamed Inflation Relief Bill. And Dr. Albert Moeller will talk about Congress taking up another priority in the midst of the challenges we currently face, a legislative effort to codify same-sex marriage, which was already codified by the Supreme Court. Anyway, all of that in the second hour in this week's Christian Outlook. That can also be heard on the weekend, and you can go to the podcast to uh, listen to it at any time. Anyway, that'll come up in the 5 o'clock hour of the Georgine Rice Show. First, some of the day's headlines. Senator Chris Kirsten Cinema, the Democrat from Arizona, has raked in significant amounts of campaign cash from the private equity sector, notched a victory after she lobbied to remove a billionaire tax loophole from the Inflation Reduction Act as part of her agreement to back that legislation. The carried interest tax provision was removed from the uh, uh, the act as part of her approval of the bill. Well, the Arizona Democrat announced uh, Thursday that she would move forward in supporting the Inflation Reduction Act, the reconciliation package Senate Democrats unveiled last week. As part of the agreement, she successfully removed the carried interest tax provision that targeted a loophole used by wealthy Americans, or at least that's how they characterize it. We have agreed to remove the carried interest tax provision, protect advanced manufacturing and boost our clean energy economy in the Senate's budget reconciliation legislation, Cinema said late yesterday, subject to the parliamentarian's review. I'll move forward. There was a collective sigh of relief among Democrats and the vice president is expected to break the tie when this comes up for a vote in the not too distant future. Meanwhile, the Republican National Committee chairwoman Ronna McDaniel announced on Friday that the party will hold its 2024 convention in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. She said, and I'm quoting, I'm excited to announce that the RNC has voted unanimously to select Milwaukee as the host city for the 2024 Republican National Convention. Milwaukee is a world-class city, and we are eager to see it shine in the spotlight come 2024. Wisconsin has been a battleground state over the last two presidential election cycles, casting its electoral votes for Donald Trump in 2016 and Joe Biden in 2020. Democratic Senator Tammy Baldwin, who won the um, with 55 to 4 percent of the vote in 2018, will also be up for re-election in the Badger State in 2024. Now, here we are sitting at 2020. Before the midterm elections, and it seems a bit premature to announce the uh, RNC's 2024 convention location, but it will be here before we know it. And of course, the campaigning will begin the day after the midterm elections, sadly. Well, Carrie Lake, a Trump ally who campaigned on 
uh, the claim of fraud in the 2020 presidential election has won the Republican primary for Arizona governor. Lake is a former news anchor. She beat out established backed Karen Taylor Robeson, who is a lawyer and businesswoman, according to an Associated Press projection. Arizonans who have been forgotten by the establishment just delivered a political earthquake, Lake said in the statement celebrating her victory yesterday. Meanwhile, Robeson said the voters of Arizona have spoken. I accept the results. I trust the process and the people who administer it. End quote. Well, Lake won the endorsement of former President Donald Trump, while Robeson has, was endorsed rather by former Vice President Mike Pence. It was a rather interesting matchup. You had both the president and former vice president um, uh, promoting each of the candidates at separate events at the same time. And in this case, uh, former President Donald Trump won. Um, uh, vice President Mike Pence and the uh, current Arizona governor, Doug Ducey, uh, who cannot run for a third term under the state law, uh, both uh, endorsed Robeson, the opponent of Donald Trump's candidate. She will do a fair job of um, a far better job than Rhino Governor Doug Ducey, who um, uh, won't even be a contest, Trump said in his endorsement of Lake. Now, it's not clear to me if this was one of the races that Democrats uh, chose to uh, go uh, get behind funding and otherwise in order to increase the likelihood that their candidate will win in the general election. But nonetheless, that um, uh, that election result is now in. Saying show me the money, the major holdout Democrat Kirsten Cinema has agreed to the controversial spending bill, setting up the vice presidential Harris as a, um, a tiebreaker in that uh, that race. Parade terror, a vehicle drove through a ceremonial parade in New Mexico, leaving several people, including two police officers with injuries. The New Mexico State Police said an SUV drove throughout the annual intertribal Indian ceremonial parade in downtown Gallup on Thursday. The driver was arrested at the scene. The perpetrator was apparently fleeing police for public intoxication. Highlighting foreign policy problems, Brittany Griner's sentence puts a spotlight back on strained U.S.-Russia relations. There's no question they're making an example of her and will exploit the situation as much as possible. Significant issues. FBI chief uh, makes surprising admission when asked if southern border, the southern border is secure. The director of the FBI on Thursday told lawmakers that the crisis at the southern border presents significant security issues while avoiding directly addressing claims by the administration that the border is secure. FBI Director Christopher Wray was asked at a Senate hearing by Senator John Cornyn, a Republican out of Texas, if he agreed with Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, who said recently that the border is secure. Well, Director Wray did reluctantly say, to me, it represents a significant security issue and represents a wide array of criminal threats that flow out of it. Again, not admitting the border is insecure. CPAC attendees blasted The View. Conservatives are not thrilled with the daytime talk show's allegedly conservative new hosts. On Economic Vibe Session, as you know, it's been redefined as a vibe session rather than a recession. The New York Times guest writer says the vibes in the economy are weird. So there you have it. And the Griner Moscow trial, the WNBA star, has been sentenced to nine years for drug smuggling. The prisoner swap is so far a no-go. The National Review weighs in, pointing out that American basketball star Griner was sentenced to nine years in a penal colony by a Moscow court yesterday after she was convicted of drug smuggling, concluding a multi-month trial rather that served as another stage for the geopolitical tug-of-war between Russia and the United States. 
Her punishment is a slight reduction from the nine and a half year sentence prosecutors said they were seeking earlier in the day. Greiner's sentence doesn't necessarily preclude a prisoner swap, which the president, the administration, had been negotiating with the Kremlin in order to secure her and another detainee's release. The State Department claims Greiner was wrongfully detained. Well, China is engaged in missile testing off the Taiwan coast. Uh, China conducted precision missile strikes Thursday in waters off Taiwan coasts as part of military exercises that have raised tensions in the region to their highest level in decades following a visit by U.S. Uh, Speaker, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Well, China earlier announced that military exercises by its Navy, Air Force and other departments were underway in six zones surrounding Taiwan, which Beijing claims as its own territory to be annexed by force if necessary. Five of the missiles fired by China landed in Japan's exclusive economic zone, uh, an island far south of Japan's main island, Japanese uh, defense minister uh, said. He said Japan protested the missile landings uh, to China as serious threats to Japan's national security and the safety of the Japanese people. Japan's defense minister also speculated that four missiles flew over Taipei, the capital city, crossing the mainland, according to a statement it's in, uh, from its embassy in D.C. posted on Twitter. Taiwan's defense ministry uh, did not deny the claim, saying that the flight path was outside the atmosphere and is not harmful to the vast area on the ground it flies over. Well, the People's Republic of China had long claimed sovereignty over Taiwan and the Taiwan Strait, the relatively narrow strip of ocean that's between the island of Taiwan and the Chinese mainland. The Chinese military has frequently sent planes into the area testing Taiwan's air defense zone. The U.S. doesn't have official relations with Taiwan, also known as the Republic of China, and maintains a one-China policy that recognizes the People's Republic of China as the legitimate successor nation. According to a study, home ownership is out of reach in 35 out of 50 of the country's largest cities. And Governor DeSantis has suspended a woke DA who's unwilling to enforce state law. Well, the Republican Florida government governor rather suspended liberal state attorney Andrew Warren on Thursday. He made the announcement during a press conference broadcast on social media. He argued that Warren has repeatedly refused to enforce laws passed by the legislature, cracking down on child sex change surgeries and abortion restrictions. We're suspending Soros backed 13 circuit state attorney Andrew Warren for neglecting his duties as he pledges not to uphold the laws of the state. DeSantis's office said in a statement, the Constitution of Florida has vested the veto power in the governor, not the state's attorney. Uh, DeSantis said we are not going to allow this pathogen of ignoring the law get a foothold in the state of Florida. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Later this hour, we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news and in our second hour, the Christian Outlook. So stay with us. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. Is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Well, President Biden declared a public health emergency over the monkeypox virus, uh, the outbreak that has infected more than 6,600 people in the U.S. is a public health emergency, the administration declared, a move that could make it easier to tap funding and wield the federal bureaucracy to combat the once rare disease. Well, the declaration came more than a week after the head of the World Health Organization last month said the extraordinary situation qualifies as a global emergency. Now, some would argue Given the numbers that this is a gross overstatement, nonetheless, it does demand some sort of a response. Uh, but because uh, we live in a PC culture, they're not emphasizing the population, the demographic 
that is most likely to be impacted. The administration has been criticized for not moving more quickly, repeating some of the same mistakes that plagued the U.S. response to COVID. And Thursday's move is intended to help get ahead of the virus spread. Monkeypox is rarely fatal, and no deaths have been reported in the U.S. so far, but patients often suffer debilitating pain from skin rash caused by the virus. Eight people have died from the disease across the world during the current outbreak, primarily in Africa, where the health systems aren't as robust as in other parts of the world. Dennis Prager points out that five people in Africa have died, and I'm not, uh, and I'm now going to give you the number of Africans who die each year as a result of, uh, well, another, um, Hippopotamus's drowning, as he puts it, uh, or biting uh, or crushing 3,000, 3,000. Um, what's that? 600 times more for every monkeypox death. 600 Africans are dying from hippopotamuses, he points out, putting it into some perspective. Well, Whoopi Goldberg invoked God and do unto others to support abortion. Interestingly, I'm not sure she understands the concept of do unto others. Elizabeth Hasselbeck did not agree with the view. The Daily Wire reports that Whoopi Goldberg, a leftist co-host on the program, argued on the show this week that God supports killing unborn babies via abortion. Goldberg, who previously was suspended by the network for making an anti-Semitic remark about the Holocaust, argued Wednesday that abortion was okay because God gives people the freedom of choice. And that's only part of it. Yes, we are free to choose, but we also bear the responsibility for the weight of our own sin unless we've put our trust in him and acknowledge our sinfulness. Um, uh, Nicholas von, von de Caro says that Goldberg says God doesn't make mistakes and thus it's in his plan to have women choose abortion. God made us smart enough to know when it wasn't going to work for us. That's the beauty of giving us freedom of choice. My relationship with God is always choppy, she added. Wow. There's a whole theological lesson to be had there, but we'll move on. Presidential hopeful California Governor Gavin Newsom is calling on Hollywood to stop filming filming in pro-life states. The California Democratic governor who has presidential aspirations called on Hollywood film uh, industry to bring back production moved to Oklahoma and Georgia with the pandemic lockdowns and rising crime, criticizing Republican controlled states over policies against abortion in a new published published um, article in Variety. Well, this comes as Newsom also announced on Wednesday he supports a bill to invest $1.65 billion in California's film and television tax credit program to extend it for an additional five years through 2030. The program allocates $330 million every year in tax credits for the industry. And by the way, he's free to travel and vacation in any of those locations, but He's uh, urging Californians to avoid the areas themselves. Well, the Department of Justice has charged four Louisville police officers in the Breonna Taylor case. Four current and former Louisiana police officers involved in the deadly raid on Breonna Taylor's home, including detectives who worked on the search warrant and the ex-officer accused of firing blindly into her home, have been charged with civil rights violations and other counts. Attorney General Merrick Garland said on Thursday the charges marked the first federal counts leveled against any of the officers involved in the botched raid. In addition to civil rights offenses, federal authorities charged the four with unlawful conspiracies, unconstitutional use of force and obstruction. Former Puerto Rico Governor Wanda Vasquez has been arrested for bribery to finance her 2020 campaign. The Wall Street Journal reports that the former Puerto Rico governor 
was arrested Thursday and charged with participating in a bribery scheme to finance her gubernatorial campaign, the Justice Department said. Ms. Vasquez uh, was sworn in as governor in August of 2019 in the wake of a scandal involving the former governor and a constitutional crisis over who would succeed him. She had previously served as the territory's justice secretary and was governor until the start of 21. The scheme detailed Thursday is yet another example of allegations of corporate corruption aimed at elected officials in the United States. That's a quote from Corey Edmondson, chief of the Public Integrity Section of the Justice Department. This is a disturbing national trend that is not limited to Puerto Rico. Well, the alleged bribery scheme took place from December of 2019 through June of 2020 and involved bank executives, a former Federal Bureau of Investigation agent and a political consultant, according to the Justice Department. Senators introduced a bill to add 2,500 Border Patrol agents and to increase their pay. Homeland Security reports that today U.S. Senator Rob Portman, ranking member of the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee, Kirsten Sinema, James Langford and Mark Kelly introduced the bipartisan Border Patrol Enhancement Act to establish the Border Patrol Reserve and provide a much needed pay raise to our Border Patrol agents during this current crisis. This bill would uh, create a 2,500 agent reserve force, increase the number of total Border Patrol agents to 20,500 and raise Border Patrol pay by 14 percent to be more competitive with the other federal law enforcement agents, including other agents under the Department of Homeland Security. The legislation also standardizes professional development and training requirements for all border agents. It doesn't, however, deal directly with the border crisis that has overtaxed and overwhelmed our border patrol in general. Well, jobs increased in July, but small business employment fell. Non-farm payrolls, rather, rose 528,000 for the month, and the unemployment rate was 3.5%. Hiring beat expectations, particularly given the technical recession we entered into the second quarter. But signs that the recession could be seen in the latest report from the National Federation of Independent Business, which shows that small business employment declined by an average of 0.14 workers in July. Well, this number is a reversal of June's, which saw small business employment gains. The downturn is not due to a lack of jobs, as 49 percent of small business owners report having at least one job opening. The problem is that small businesses are having a difficult time finding workers, even as the U.S. has yet to regain the pre-COVID employment levels. We've currently 1.2 percent below February 2020 numbers. Meanwhile, business owners have been raising wages to compete for uh, for or retain scarce pools of workers. Well, China has sanctioned House Speaker Nancy Pelosi over her egregious provocation, as they put it, in visiting Taiwan. And the Chinese communists say that they will stop military and climate talks with the U.S. The man likely to become al-Qaeda's next leader has spent decades using Iran as a base of operations and maintains deep ties to the hardline regime, signaling that two of the globe's leading terrorist forces could exponentially expand relations in the near future. Uh, the al-Qaeda's number two leader and longtime head of its security arm fled to Iran in the early 2000s, along with other senior leaders following the 9-11 attacks. From there, he helped relay orders from the just-killed al-Qaeda leader Ayman al-Zawahiri and orchestrate terrorist operations that killed dozens of people, including Americans. And saying forget forgiveness, a group of Republican lawmakers put forth a proposal on Thursday that it says would relieve student debt crisis without using taxpayer dollars to fund a massive debt forgiveness program. 
the Responsible Education Assistance Act would limit the amount of interest borrowers could accumulate on federal student loans to help them more effectively pay back their own loans. Representative Virginia Fox, who co-sponsored the bill with Elise Stefanik and Jim Banks, also representative, said the bill will help in-need Americans without shifting debt onto taxpayers. Alex Jones has been ordered to pay $4.1 million in the Sandy Hook defamation trial, and UCLA will reportedly miss its carbon-neutral goal by 43 years. A Ukraine nuclear plant is completely out of control. A U.N. watchdog is warning. Well, on this day in history, 1861, President Abraham Lincoln signs the Revenue Act of 1861, the first income tax in America. 1884, the cornerstone for the Statue of Liberty is laid. 1914, the first electric traffic lights are installed in Cleveland. 1933, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt establishes National Labor Board, which later would be replaced with the National Labor Relations Board. 1936, Jesse Owens wins the 200-meter dash at the Berlin Olympics, collecting the third of his four gold medals for the U.S., 1953, Operation Big Switch begins as the remaining prisoners take, uh, taken during the Korean War are exchanged at uh, Panmunjom. In 1961, the amusement park Six Flags Over Texas has its official grand opening day in Arlington. 62, Nelson Mandela is arrested on charges of leaving South Africa without a passport and inciting workers to strike. It is the beginning of 27 years of imprisonment. 1964, U.S. Navy pilot Everett Alvarez Jr. becomes the first American flyer to be shot down and captured by North Vietnam. He would be held prisoner until February of 1973. 1967, the U.S. space probe Mariner 7 flew by Mars, spending uh, photographs and scientific data. And 1974, the White House releases transcripts of subpoenaed tape recordings showing that President Richard Nixon and his chief of staff, H.R. Haldeman, discussed a plan in June of 1972 to use the CIA to thwart the FBI's Watergate investigation. Revelation of the tape would spark Nixon's resignation. 1991. Democratic congressional leaders formally launch an investigation into whether the 1980 Reagan-Bush campaign secretly conspired with Iran to delay release of American hostages until after the presidential election, thereby preventing an October surprise that supposedly would have benefited President Jimmy Carter. A task force later would conclude that there was no credible evidence in the deal. 2010, the Senate confirms Elena Kagan to be an associate justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. In 2013, the Washington Post agrees to, I should say Washington Post Corporation, agrees to sell the Washington Post to Jeff Bezos for $250 million cash. And finally, on this day in history, 2014, the San Antonio Spurs hired WNBA star Becky Hammond as an assistant coach, making her the first woman to join the NBA coaching staff. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Up next... The lighter side of the news with James Blend. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Joining me to take a look at the lighter side of the news is James Blend. Wow, that's impressive. How'd you get him on the show? Yeah, it wasn't that hard. Okay. <laughs> hey, I know James. I'm not impressed by him, but I figured everybody else was. Yeah, they're not. Uh, that's probably true. Yeah, they're not impressed by either of us, just to let you know. Hey, I do want to say that James Blend, in addition to producing this program, he's kind of a bigwig when it comes to events for both KPDQ and our sister station, The Fish. Coming up on the 20th 
is Fish Fest. Now, we haven't had that for a couple of years, given the pandemic. It's back. It You're is. You're heavily involved in that. I mean, there wouldn't be a Fish Fest if you weren't here. So, first of all, kudos to you for that. Tell us how it's going and what uh, folks can expect. Oh, it's going really well. Um, of course, we've got a great great lineup this year. I'm really excited about it because, in all honesty, when I'm putting together the artist lineup, uh don't always get the artists that are my first choice. And coming out of the pandemic, I really felt like we needed a party. We needed to have a party to celebrate that we had gotten through this and that, you know, that to celebrate God's love for us and, and just have a great day. And the, immediately when I think of having a Christian party, it's Toby Mack. <laughs> um, and we were able to get him. He's coming. He's going to be part of our party on the, on the 20th. And, uh, yeah, it's, tickets are going fast, but there's still plenty available. And uh, we'd love to have everybody join us out there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. That's at Salem Riverfront Park. Now, is that a different location? No, it is. Well, it is and it isn't. Um, that I, as I like to tell people, it is the same park, different venue. Okay. Um, in During the pandemic, the uh, city of Salem built an amphitheater down there in Riverfront Park uh, called the, uh, it's a very long name, the Jerry Frank uh, Salem Rotary Amphitheater. Um, and uh, it is in place now, and it was built partially with events like Fish Fest in mind. And we're very grateful to the city of Salem that you know we have that kind of relationship with them that they would they would think of us. And uh, yeah, so it's going to be in that area. So it's on the other side of the park from where we used to be, but it's the same location. And it'll be a better location for a lot of reasons. I Absolutely, expect, it's yeah. it's a beautiful it's a beautiful little amphitheater they built down there, and we're excited to be a part of it. So again, we're talking about the Salem Riverfront Park. August the 30th, and you can 20th. get all, I'm sorry, the 20th. I'm looking right at 20 and saying 30th. August the 20th, and you can uh, find all the important details and purchase tickets at kpdq.com. And you may just run into James Blend. I mean, that to me, yeah, is, Toby Mack's going to be there. It is entirely possible. But James I'm, Blend I'm is going to be quite there. A bit. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're all over that thing. So looking forward to uh, Fish Fest 2022. Well, James, taking a look at the lighter side of the news, I was intrigued by a concept that's been developed in Japan that I think we really need to look into. Okay. Um, Offices in Japan are installing what they're calling nap boxes. They're designed for staff to sleep standing up. I've never slept standing up. I haven't either, but I'd be willing to try it. Well, this bizarre sleep station concept is aimed at uh, white-collar employees who are known for logging excruciatingly long hours. And I'm not sure we're white-collar. We're more white t-shirt, maybe. Resembling a sleek water heater, the device supports workers' heads, knees, and, well, backsides, so that they uh, won't fall over while they're standing up and sleeping. The creation came from two companies. They hope to encourage a healthier office culture in Japan. Uh, it comes after a business matching event uh, where furniture specialist um, Aitoki uh, met with a ply, uh, plywood supplier, and they came up with this concept they say that in japan there are a lot of people who will lock themselves up in the bathroom for a while um, and they don't think that's healthy as a place for resting it's better to sleep in a comfortable location in a less than comfortable position and in this case standing up apparently sleepiness on the job is so widespread in japan uh, that it has an an actual name which uh, refers to those who sleep during the day in order to get through the long commute or full work day so um Nap boxes. I'm going to talk to Dennis. I think we might want to consider having a couple of these installed. Oh, oh, oh sorry, sorry. What I'm sorry, I, <laughs> did I wake you? Yeah, you did. It was it, not good. Not good. Sleeping but, uh, while you know, slouching. I, I'm, I'm. 
I'm all for that. I mean, you know, the the um, the idea of being able to take a nap at work. Yeah, I, I'll say that was one of the things that uh, you know when we were all remote, um, especially towards the beginning of the pandemic. Um, Putting a little bit of a nap in the middle of the day really actually, seriously, gave me a bit of a charge. <laughs> I actually took a nap as well. I think I took a nap immediately following uh, the show. There wasn't yeah, the commute. Same, yeah, same here. I, it was, I would I would take about a half hour nap after the show and then make sure everything was good to go because we'd recorded it earlier in the day. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, it was one of those things that um, I, I really appreciated. I admit <laughs> it was it was pretty good. And uh um, didn't you know? Wasn't taking necessarily coffee breaks, so I took a nap break instead. Yep, I and did the it, same. It definitely left me recharged for the afternoon, and uh, I'll admit I kind of missed that, especially on on a day like today where uh, the the child of of my heart uh, uh, was uh, in in um, a little bit of hot water because uh, she did not let us sleep very well last night. So um, yeah, I, yeah, I could use a nap so today. Yeah. It, oh, <laughs> Well, especially when you get upset with her and then you see her asleep there and go, (laughs) how can I be mad at her as you try to summon the strength to get out of bed? Yeah, I get it. Well, you know, cats are not high on my list of animals that I, you know, like to be around. Um, Is there any animals on the list of animals you like to be around? Stuffed. I like to be around stuffed animals. Okay, fair enough. Um, a calico cat came to its owner's rescue in the middle of the night and may have saved the man's life. Cats are known to um, bring comfort, companionship, kindness. Okay, well, not always kindness if you really know cats, but few cats, as particularly um, finicky and independent as they may be, can also be branded a hero for helping to prevent a house robbery and for possibly even saving the life of its companion. I won't say owner because cats, they have more companions than owners. Well, a man in Belden, Mississippi reported that his car, or his cat rather, Bandit, interestingly enough, did all of this and perhaps more last month. Bandit is a 20-pound calico cat. She lives with her owner, who's 68, a retired oral and maxillofacial surgeon, or something like that, in the uh, Tupelo area. When at least two people tried to break into the family's home last week, the cat did everything she could to alert the owner to the danger, he told the Mississippi uh, Daily Journal. Well, the cat apparently raced into the bedroom, jumped onto the bed. You hear the guard about the dog, uh, guard dog. This was a guard cat. Well, the attempted crime occurred sometime between 2.30 and 3 a.m. in uh, July, and the cat was on it. First bandit's uh, guttural meowing in the kitchen was... Uh, loud enough to awaken the homeowner. Then the cat apparently raced into the bedroom, jumped onto the bed, and began pulling the comforter off the homeowner and clawing at his arm. Well, um, Everett, the cat's owner, knew, or companion in this case, knew that something had to have been very wrong. She had never done anything like that before. Uh, he said he thought, what in the world uh, is wrong with you, thinking of the cat? And then he got up, put his uh, robe on, walked down the hall to investigate. Well, when he turned on the light, he saw two young men standing outside his back door. One had a handgun, while the other was using a crowbar to try to pry the back door of his house open. He said by the time he retrieved a handgun of his own and returned to the kitchen, the would-be intruders had fled already. Well, he didn't call the police, he told the publication. He said the situation could have been much much different um it uh while he thought he was saving um 
the, her life, it, uh, it seems that the cat, I should say, is the cat thought that maybe he was saving the owner's life. It may, in fact, have been the case. Um, he said he only uh, was awakened because of the cat and the care that was, was taken. So an attack or watch cat in this case. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Did I tell you I encountered a mystery cat? A mystery cat? It was a mystery cat. Yeah. I was driving to work yesterday and I saw a cat on the side of the road and it didn't look like your typical house cat. It looked more like a cougar, but it wasn't. It was way too small to be a cougar, even a baby cougar. And it had a collar. So it was definitely not a pet cougar because that's a formula for disaster. (laughs) Um and so I had I wound up having to look it up. I literally Googled cat that looks like a cougar. And it turns out it was an Abyssinian. Huh. And they do in fact look like miniature cougars. And uh yeah, the mystery was solved. But uh you know, chalk one up for uh, learning something new every day. Oh, I'm looking at the um I'm looking at it right now. An Abyssinian. It does look like a cougar. Yeah. But, of course, it's much smaller, as you pointed out. It's bigger than a typical what, tabby cat, but it was definitely much smaller than even yeah, a baby cougar. And like I said, the collar was sort of a dead giveaway that it was not a cougar. Because that will make the news eventually if you have a pet cougar, because, well, you'll, you'll be in the news as being dead. <laughs> well, there is that. Well, cats have been classified as invasive alien species by the Polish Scientific Institute. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll tell you about it. A study found that cats hunt and kill birds and other wildlife, but cat lovers are responding to the new accusation. And we'll uh, let you know who won in that tug of war. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show as we take a look at some of the lighter side of the news. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Well, it's been confirmed your cat is a troublemaker. Respected Scientific Institute, Polish Academy of Sciences. They've officially classified cats as an invasive alien species, according to the Associated Press. The study was headed by the organization's biologist, uh, found that the damage that cats cause in terms of hunting and killing birds and other wildlife was enough justification to consider the animals invasive. Well, the species, otherwise known as the house cat, was entered into a national database powered by the Academy's Institute of Nature Conservation, which holds 1,786 other species, and it heard no objections to that. But the public reportedly responded to that new entry with sheer disapproval and outrage. The scientists told the AP that the public may have been uh, upset by false accusations that the Institute was pushing to euthanize feral cats. But uh, that's not the case. The cat 100 percent met all the criteria to land itself on the list of invasive species due to the animal's harmful impact on biodiversity. In an appearance on independent uh, broadcaster TVN Solaris, uh, they mentioned that cats kill 140 million birds in Poland every year. So they are officially an invasive alien, and I would add a nuisance. So if you happen to be a cat lover, there you go. Not a cat lover, but, uh, you know, apparently an admirer of afar of Abyssinian cats, as as I discovered yesterday. There you go. That's about it, though. I don't want to own one. I certainly can't afford one. Well, there's a, a cat food brand that will let humans eat its latest fancy feast. It's no tall tale. Cat food brand Fancy Feast 
wasn't kitten around this week when it announced it would open a temporary cat food inspired restaurant for humans in New York City. Cato Bianco by Fancy Feast, a two day pop up, will be an Italian style culinary experience with recipes inspired by the brand's food, according to a press release. The brand also teased an appearance by the fluffy white Fancy Feast cat at the restaurant. The nuisance, in other words. The brand also teased an appearance of other, well, well-known cats. I'm not sure who they would be, but the menu was made possible, P-A-W-S-I-B-L-E, by the brand's chef. Um, and the Michelin star-winning Italian chef, somebody, a chef who has been seen on Iron Chef America and Anthony Bourdain, no reservations. The restaurant, located near New York City, uh, their West Village and Meatpacking District, is expected to be open uh, this month with up to eight diners allowed every day. Reservations are available through Open Table beginning 12 p.m. today. So if you're interested in having a catastic meal uh, with an actual cat, New York is the place to be. Are we so desperate that we're eating cat food now? Uh, I, you know, I can't think of the millions of times in my life that, uh, I've thought, Hey, I'm jealous of what that cat's eating. <laughs> you know why that's not happened? Cause I'm not. Yeah. Oh my word. That's just, yeah. It's just odd. Definitely first world. Uh, speaking of odd, it turns out you might be able to eat candy for a living and make thousands in the process. Canada's Candy Funhouse is hiring a chief candy officer, according to a recent job posting. Do you love all things candy and chocolate? Are you passionate about confectionery treats and exploring unreleased and existing products? If so, this is the perfect position for you. The description reads on LinkedIn. What they left out is, do you like to uh, give yourself insulin on a regular basis because you will most likely become a diabetic? The Ontario-based company said the position pays $100,000, that's Canadian dollars, 78,000 US dollars annually. The job can be remote or based in the uh, its Canada or New Jersey offices. Now, can you imagine being paid that much to eat candy? The chief candy officer will serve as head taste tester and try over 3,500 products every month. Besides eating about 113 pieces of candy a day, the chief candy officer will lead the company's Funhouse candy strategy, run candy board meetings, and have a say in which products Candy Funhouse will carry. The chief candy officer will also approve candy inventory and designate spotlight treats with an official stamp of approval. Applicants can be as young as five years old and must reside in North America. All you need is a passion for candy, pop culture, and a sweet tooth. Part of the job posting reads, The chief candy officer will also undergo extensive palate training, according to the description. So far, nearly 6,500 people have applied to the job on LinkedIn. Inquiries on the job are so high that the company said its uh, usual response time has been delayed. Applicants have until the 31st of August to apply. No previous experience is necessary. Okay, so... Let's let's talk about this last line. No previous experience is necessary. If you have previous experience, it would mean that you previously had a job as a candy tester, right? Why would you have ever left that job? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's why they said it, because no one who's had the job has ever left it, at least standing I mean, we, upright. We used to have, um, uh, I believe, I say his name, was John Harrison? 
I'm trying to remember his name. The the, the chief test taster. Oh yes. for dryers. That's right. And and he never left that job. He retired. He didn't go work for somebody else. He retired. That 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 makes sense. He didn't say, "Oh, I've got experience, so I'm going to go work for Hagendas." <laughs> because you don't do that. You, you you don't leave a job that has you tasting candy all day. I'm just saying. Yeah. Speaking of candy all day, hamburger, hot dog candy corn, highlight the new tailgate mix from confection maker, tailgate. The flavors of football are now found in America's most divisive tricolored confection. The new Brock's tailgate candy corn mix features five flavors, hot dog, hamburger, popcorn, fruit punch, and vanilla ice cream. The tailgate candy corn flavor profile lends itself to an early fall time frame, perfect for football season, Brock's writes uh, in its uh, report on Food and Wine magazine. Candy corn is controversial, even in the best of circumstances. And by the way, I love candy corn. I find it difficult as an adult in her 60s to eat a single candy corn, to eat a few candy. I just cannot stop. These these things are so appealing to me. Same with circus peanuts. Anyway, a 2019 uh, survey named candy corn the worst Halloween candy. One group of consumers even launched a petition to stop the sale of all candy corn. So uh, social media reaction to the new tailgate candy corn has been swift and strong. One read, fire the person at Brock's that thought this was a good idea. I guess if they're going to ruin a candy, I'm glad it was candy corn rather than something I loved, said another one. Well, Brock's is the world's leader, leading producer of candy corn, but 85% of its business comes around Halloween. Uh, the company in recent years has released a series of new products to move sales and make candy corn more appealing throughout the year. They introduced turkey dinner candy corn in 2020 Ooh! it included roasted turkey stuffing and cranberry sauce flavors wow taco truck candy corn came out earlier this year with margarito churro and beef taco flavors among others brock's america's number one candy corn brand and has a long legacy of creating shared moments of celebration for family and friends that's sort of a hopeful optimistic way of putting it we're always working on innovations that will take our fans on delicious flavor journeys and we can't wait to show you what's next i can't even imagine well brock's tailgate candy corns being sold exclusively by walgreens in stores nationwide so if you want to find it that's where you need to go uh, Brock said that it sells 7 billion pieces of candy corn every year and claims $73 million in sales just around that time of the year when candy is most popular. Hamburger, hot dog, candy corn. Yeah, no. No. Yeah, no. No, no, no. Mm-mm. No. No, I don't think I'll go there. No. Wow. No. Thank just, you, no. Just, just, just no. A French scientist has apologized for tweeting a photo of a slice of chorizo, claiming it was an image of a distant star taken by James Webb Space Telescope. You know, it's funny you say that. I literally just somebody had just emailed me that as you're about two minutes before you read it. (laughs) Etienne Klein, a celebrated physicist and director of France's Alternative Energies and Atomic Energy Commission, shared the image of the spicy Spanish sausage on Twitter last week, praising the level of detail it provided. Well, he had eventually come clean and admit it was simply a picture of a slice of chorizo. 
Let's put it this way. I think most people want to know more what's in a star than what's in chorizo. It's better that way. <laughs> Trust me. I've seen the ingredients for chorizo. Yeah. Let's Not just good. Leave it alone. Go have a candy corn instead. Hey, you're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. We've got news and traffic coming up at the top of the hour. And in our second hour, the Christian Outlook. So stay with us. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.